0: Hey everybody, Angela's not in this episode, but you should check out her Kickstarter at wastedtalent.ca. It's only open for a few more days though.
1: Did I tell you that I apparently, mm, allegedly met a listener of this show? Really? Yeah, I'm not 100% sure they weren't paid by my mom, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, at Canzine a nice young man named Derek came up cool. and said, I listened to your podcast, and then didn't go into any details, so I'm not 100% sure it was this podcast, and he meant me, <laughs> but um, he might listen to our podcast.
0: I was talking to uh, Josue like, this week, and uh, I got him as a listener he's listening to our podcast now
2: so oh there we go well who knows
1: if they'll keep listening if we <laughs> didn't do this this great an intro every time <laughs>
2: thank thank you to derek and to Josue for listening to our podcast our two listeners yes
1: <laughs> third one is my mom Yeah.
2: to
0: the Trade Waiters.
2: Yeah. So, I guess I'll be leading us... Sure. Leading us off. Now, um...
0: What's our episode
2: about? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> that's a good way to start. Uh, so, today's episode, we are covering Americus by M.K. Reed and Jonathan Hill. So, this was my recommendation. I, uh... Read this quite a while ago, and I wanted to kind of get back to it. I sort of felt like it was very um, apropos of our kind of current state of things. Um, But uh, maybe before we get into talking about the book, uh, we should talk about ourselves. Okay. Um, We usually lead this off with a character-revealing question. Mm -hmm. Maybe I was going to just ask you guys, obviously, who you are. And have you ever had an experience with censorship. Hmm. As an artist. As an artist? Yeah. So have hmm. you ever had your artwork censored?
0: Maybe we should let our special guests go first. We have a special oh, guest today. Oh, maybe we
2: should talk about our special guest as well.
0: Hi. Uh, Angela is busy running a Kickstarter, so we have Jess Pollard once again.
2: Returning champion,
3: Jess Pollard. <laughs> yeah. You
2: are second time special guest, so... Thank you so much. You're in the lead for all time... Uh, greatest special guest at this at this rate. You've now surpassed the spade. I'm so nervous already. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do
3: have a, an experience with censorship. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was just a relatively minor one, and it's actually pretty understandable. I was in high school, I think in grade 10 or 11, so a lot of pretty young kids were around, and I did a painting that was inspired by James Jean, and I think we all know um, his work, which uh, sometimes has, like, kind of disturbing themes. Like, you have, uh, like, anatomical themes, like cross-sections of bodies, and you have um, rotting fruit and things like that. And I did this painting in high school of um, this tiger that was standing over a lamb that was kind of, like, falling apart like a toy with, like, abstract wires and, like, geometric shapes. Mm. And uh, I thought it was fine. Like, there was no blood or violence or anything. But, um apparently it really disturbed some students and so the art teacher actually took the big canvas and it was a huge canvas it was probably like a few feet a few feet and he actually like turned it around and was like you can't have other students see this painting
2: wow <laughs> yeah
3: and i never i never finished it i was huh. uh, i was really up, kind of upset by it
2: yeah well I, in high school especially yeah. i think that, that that makes a lot of sense
3: and I don't know how to feel about it, because if it was upsetting young students, like baby people in grade nine, I d- don't want to, you know, upset anybody and uh, make them uncomfortable in the art
2: class, so I don't know
3: what to mm. think of it.
2: Well, clearly you didn't go to Emily Carr, <laughs> obviously your first and foremost goal would be to, like, upset your audience.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Any, any
2: high art,
0: visual arts program... Like, you were doing your job exactly right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Sounds like you took some kind of illustration and graphic design program. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Okay. so who wants to jump in next?
0: Um, I can jump in, but I don't think I actually have a story. Uh, I'm Jonathan Dalton, and I'm trying to think of a time where I've ever had to face a- any kind of censorship, and I honestly can't think of anything.
2: Hmm. Um, you gotta push that envelope one
0: I you? guess I just don't push <laughs> the envelope very much <coughs> Either that or I have the privilege of being in a, a privileged position of not anyone, n- no one ever questioning me
2: Hmm, interesting Hooray Hur- white male <laughs> cis privilege <laughs> Okay Okay <laughs> So, <laughs> moving on from there uh,
1: I'm Kay Gross, and I don't I don't know, I, man, I went to art school forever, so it was all pretty lax on the sort of, like, what was acceptable, everything was acceptable, um, so I don't think, and I make really, uh, tame art, so (laughs) I don't really think anything I do would ever have, have the risk of being censored, yeah. Okay, you, Jeffrey?
2: Well, so I am Jeff Ellis, and uh, I have not had a lot of experience with censorship, but actually my first experience with censorship did come in high school as well. Uh, So in my graphic design program in high school, we got to design the covers of the agendas every year. And I did a comic for an agenda cover, but my comic was very tongue-in-cheek and involved like bullies stuffing people in lockers and you know teachers being really mean to students. And my teacher thought that it was hilarious. And I think he wanted to just use it as is, but he also knew that this was not going to be possible. So he asked me to bring it to the principal to get some feedback because she was a former art teacher. So she had some notes, quite a few notes. Uh, and it basically involved redrawing the entire thing and in, in, in my young adolescent mind, declawing it and just taking away all the impact of it. Uh, so I was very incensed at the beginning. But then, of course, my teacher was like, well, look, this is either happening or we're going to just go with another cover. So, you know, do you want to be on the cover or not? So I redrew it, and in hindsight, I think it was probably a much more accessible, enjoyable comic piece and it was like probably one of my first published comic works and that was sort of through compromise with censorship so that's kind of like the one uh, that I can sort of think of so should we get into this book that deals somewhat with ideas of censorship I guess I should lead us off with what Americus is about start out by just talking a little bit about the creators Americus is written by M.K. Reed and drawn by Jonathan Hill both of them are residents of Portland, Oregon at the moment. And I didn't actually know this until I did my research, but MK Reed is a uh, woman who writes both comics and also has written for like anthologies like Paper Cutter, but also has written like uh, magazine articles and uh, short stories, and children's short stories. So she's a pretty prolific writer. And uh, Jonathan Hill does not have a lot of other credits to his name other than Americus, but uh, they both have their... They have, like, a joint site for Americus, so I get the feeling that maybe the two of them are going to collaborate again. So Americus is set in a small town called Americus, which also I discovered there are lots of towns in America called Americus.
0: Did you find out if there is one in Oklahoma? Because it's not stated very explicitly, but at various points, because I was looking to find that information out,
2: the story takes place in an Americus
0: in Oklahoma. There
2: there is an Americus in Oklahoma, so I was curious if that was basically a real location. Uh, Because I actually, when I first read this, I assumed Americus was just like a made-up thing. I'm like, well, that's silly. It's in America. It's called Americus. What kind of ridiculous (laughs) town would (laughs) be called that? Americus. Like... That'd be like a town called Canadiana in Canada, like <laughs> silly. There's
0: there's an example like that though. What's the, the name of that street? There's a street in Vancouver that's Canada backwards. Oh, Adenac. Adenac,
2: yeah. Oh, that's different. That's no, that's ridiculous. Adenac, cool. That's dumb. <laughs> that's not better than Americans. Um, okay, so yeah, so it's a it's a small town, America, and in this town, uh, they have a. Library with a excellent librarian, and our our main character is like an avid reader. Uh, his name is Neil, and uh, he uh, is really excited about a book series called Apathia. Or is I'm saying that right? Who knows? That's how I read it. Okay, and uh, it's essentially kind of a send up of like a Harry Potter kind of young adult fantasy series, and In this town, there is, uh, surprise, surprise, in this small American town, there's a lot of right-wing Christians who get really upset about the existence of this apathia book in the library, and uh, there's protests, and there's attempts to have apathia removed from the America's library. Um, And that's kind of the main thrust of the plot, but it's a sort of meander into just a little bit of teenage life. I sort of, does that seem like a good summary? Does anyone have mm-hmm. any other notes to throw in there? Seems pretty solid. Okay, cool. So, uh, obviously, I enjoyed this when I read it the first time, and that's I sort of thought I would put it out there because it sort of felt, again, sort of very prescient right now. Uh, but does anyone... Or can I get some responses from, from the rest of the room here? Sure. I have <laughs>
1: also um, read this before when you recommended it, I initially just didn't remember that i read it before, and then I saw the cover and I was like, oh yes, no, I've read this. Um, I feel like I enjoyed it more the second time through than the first. Mm. I actually quite enjoyed this book. Uh, It's just sort of my general overall reaction. Like, the characters were pretty engaging, and I really related with the main character because I feel like that's the kind of awkward teen I was. And yeah, it was just kind of a, a fun read. Jonathan...
0: Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. This is also the second time I've read this. I bought this at uh, SPX one year from... Uh, I don't actually remember who I got this from. Who did I get this from? I got this from someone who wrote, who drew in it and did not actually sign it. I'm going to assume that that's Jonathan Hill because it is drawn... Wait, uh, it, says,
2: it says, it says, Oh, okay. It says Jonathan.
0: Oh, from Jonathan. Keep rocking, right. dude. Okay.
2: Jonathan. There you go. <laughs> Miss yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, uh, I bought this from Jonathan Hill at SPX the one year I actually got to go to SPX. Yeah. And I'd read it then and I reread it for the podcast and didn't really remember the story super well, but um, yeah, no, I enjoyed it still. Like there's, there's a lot of things I like about this book. The, the characters are very strong, I think is the main thing. Mm. And it seems very realistic. This seems like this is how a censorship debate would go in this setting. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure it really gives equal time to both sides. Mm. Uh, But then again, maybe that's not the purpose of the book. Right. And maybe that's not important.
2: Right. So. All right. Cool. Jess. Actually, that's a
3: great um, segue into what I was going to ask. I'm going to save my opinions I think till later okay. and kind of ask a question to what you guys think um, and my question is what is the, the purpose of this narrative hmm. um, do you believe that it's a, an analysis of censor- censorship and how it happens do you believe it's trying to convince people who support censorship that their, um, uh, their opinions or goals are harmful what do you think the, the uh, creators kind of set out to do in making this? Mm. And it's also an option to just have it be an entertaining story, of course, right. which is just as valid, but I'm curious about the specific like, intentions with this work. Yeah, okay.
0: okay, interesting. Yeah, I think that's a good question to ask. Um, like, from the, the notes that I took when I, while I was reading this, it feels to me like, yeah, it's not going to convince anyone who is pro-censorship to change their mind. I don't think this book is going to do that. Like, not even going come close. For me, it feels like the the purpose of the m- book is more to sort of give fire to people who are already on the other side of the censorship debate. Like the people who would read uh, Apatheia in real life if it was a real book, uh, and might live in a small town in the Texas's little sibling. <laughs> um, that that this would be sort of a, a rallying point them. like It feels like a lot of the story is about building a network of like-minded people rather than changing anyone's mind. Because really, nobody's mind gets changed in this book. Right. There aren't any characters who have any kind of epiphany or change their views from the end of the book to the from the beginning of the book. It's more sort of, this is a political battle between two entrenched camps, and as a reader, we're meant to identify with the, the side that says it should be okay to read a fantasy book
3: mm.
0: and also that if you are someone in a situation like this that it's really important to find people that you can sort of relate to and talk to and have conversations with and build relationships with because otherwise you're going to be really really isolated right
2: okay
1: oh no I feel like John um, said that very well and yeah, I don't
2: really have anything to add. Okay, yeah. I mean, I would say that, yeah, it definitely to me felt like a real portrait of small town America. It's definitely, it feels like someone who maybe grew up in a small town kind of railing against that in their narrative. Um, and I think that the thing that really, and, and it's funny because I think the first time I read it, it didn't stand out to me. The second time reading it, the thing that stood out to me the most was the, the sort of the meeting about the fate of Apathia, where they have the two sides, and part way through the discussion it's like clear that a lot of the people that have come to protest this book haven't actually read the book (laughs) and then that doesn't really matter to the people that are upset right and to me like that just feels like really prescient to where we're at with things right now where it's just about being upset it doesn't matter what the facts are it doesn't matter whether you've read the book or whether you know it doesn't matter the information anymore if you're offended or upset then you just rally behind the fact that you're upset and and you disregard like opinions you don't like you disregard facts or information that's inconvenient to whatever you're upset about right so yeah I, that just felt like almost too real it was like a little bit depressing actually
0: well also the the, the library board who ultimately it's their call whether to keep this book in the library or not uh, when they go through their reasons for voting for or against they're really pretty arbitrary and selfish and uh, only a couple of them have anything to do with the actual book. Right.
1: Yeah, one of them is just like well, well we already paid for it. Yeah, <laughs> so he's voting yes
0: because yeah. like, he doesn't want to pay money for a new book. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, it all comes down to that, I guess. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I, I think something that I um I think didn't get explored very as, or as much as I think might have been worthwhile is Danny mm. and his story because sort of the catalyst for this campaign against apathia is that the Neil's friend Danny is also a fan of these fantasy books and when his mom finds him reading the books, she gets upset and you know says, well, this is going to lead you to Witchcraft and and lead you away from God and and then they have this big explosive argument and then Danny says, "Mom, I'm gay," and that just kind of comes out at this dinner table and the mom freaks out. She hits him. It's very unpleasant and she sends him off to like a boarding school to like straighten him out. And I feel like that's a really powerful uh, narrative. I think that's something that a lot of people like go through and. It's it sort of something that was talked about but it wasn't the main thrust of the story but in some ways I found like that could have been a more compelling uh, thing to explore more in, in the stories. Hmm.
1: That was maybe the one thing that I felt needed, not necessarily needed but I just felt like it didn't go, like the sort of when Danny goes Mom, I'm gay, like it actually really took me out of the story because it felt, it just didn't feel like it was ever followed up really concretely mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it felt kind of cliche and just like does he actually mean this or is this just like being a rebellious kid where you just say the opposite of what your parents want to hear and I I don't know to me Mm -hmm. it just sort of rang a bit false but I I think maybe it just needed a bit more developing and a little bit more going on and like follow through Mm -hmm. for it to read as more believable because I I did feel like the the conversation leading up to that where the mom and, and the kid were Arguing um, Like, that felt more believable, but that moment just really took me out of the narrative. Hmm, interesting. Um, personally.
2: I, I would say that um, I actually wasn't surprised by that revelation, because there was, like, an earlier scene where there's a girl at the dance who really wants to dance with Danny, and just, I mean, maybe this is a credit to Jonathan Hill, but I just felt like in the art, his body language was telegraphing to me that he was someone who wasn't really comfortable with this idea of dancing with this girl and I felt like maybe maybe you know he's not into girls was kind of my impression from like just the way that the scene played out so later when he reveals himself to be gay I was like okay that fits and I have some headcanon at the end of the story, this well, is I like mean, yeah. dog, but,
1: but like I just okay. feel like there wasn't enough.
2: Okay, there. fair enough. Like
1: there were little seeds planted, but mm. it was like you could really not read them that way right. at all if right. you didn't want That's to. Like right. being like, like a I'm seventh like,
0: grader at a dance like is
1: the worst. Yeah. And you hate it. And like <laughs> like I No one wants I to I remember dance. seventh grade <laughs> dance and it's like, yeah, it, it would just be awkward and horrible dancing with someone no matter what. <laughs> right. And at the end it's like, oh, probably they're just good friends who are just like stuck at this horrible military school together it's like either go there or don't go there don't go halfway that's right,
2: fair, right. Yeah. it's no, kind of how I feel about No, and that's true because I would say don't like my, do a my, my head my <laughs> headcanon was that because at the end of the story when you catch up with Danny he's got a friend who he's introducing more sci-fi books to and I was like oh he's been a guy like they're a little, cute little couple that are trying to resist the system they're in but then they don't officially, implicitly go out and say that, and maybe yeah, would beneficial was my, to.
0: Yeah, that, that was my assumption as well, but it's an assumption; it's right. not textual. Yeah, right.
2: Go there or don't go. There, right. Don't go halfway. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's that's uh, that's a very, yeah. That that makes a lot of sense.
3: Um, I'm just thinking about something I wanted to add and how to phrase it. I mean, narratively, there's this buildup, this buildup, and it's pretty good and interesting, like Helen was saying and then he gets sent away to military school and it's kind of like what then like it does feel like his plot gets kind of abandoned Mm. and then military school ends up being nice so it just Mm. seems kind of (laughs) um strange like the the message that's being conveyed i don't know if it was considered as much as Mm. it could have been right i don't know if anyone else kind of feels yeah. that too. No,
2: I mean, it's true because like when he gets sent away, there's discussions like, oh my god, it's horrible <clears throat> he's going to be sent away, it's going to be the worst thing ever, and then when you catch up with him, it's like I get my own dorm, I got this friend, we can read any books I like in a, in a lot of ways, because my mom's not around I'm a lot happier Like that, That's <laughs> how I read it, I read it
0: as like wow, military school is better than living in his own house, like his own house <laughs> must be terrible Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, it's true that like, it it maybe yeah. It felt like in a way it was it was beneficial to him as opposed to being more like detrimental, which is what the implication was. That this was going to be a detrimental thing.
3: Yeah, the mom was doing something bad and unethical, hmm. and then it's kind of strange how it's handled.
2: Mm. Mm. No, I know. I yeah, yeah, it absolutely.
3: It felt like maybe there needed to be more follow through, more
1: more to that sort of secondary plot. Yeah, I feel like the main plot is is like really well fleshed out, and there's. You know, a lot that goes on there and just a little bit
3: more there, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, b-, th- b plots are important. Or uh, subplots, or whatever you sort of want to call them, like the, the yep. underlying. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, by the way. No, <laughs> I know, know. felt like you were going <laughs> to
0: say something else. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, no, that's true. I hadn't thought of that, but that's good.
1: I thought there were some really nice moments in the main plot. Um, like, I really enjoyed sort of uh, while this, like, the rallying together against this book, like, the connections made between the different characters were really sweet. Like, I think Neil is the protagonist's name? Yeah. Yeah. His next door neighbor at the beginning of the book, he kind of feels like his next door neighbor is a weirdo and, like, he has an (laughs) argument with his mom where he's Uh, he drops the neighbor's name as like he's a weirdo and I could end up like that and then at the end of the book the neighbor comes forward and says you know what I'm I'm a grown adult I really enjoy these books and he and Neil can have this sort of bonding moment over and it's like oh I, I finally see my neighbor as a person because we have this thing in common and I thought that was a really sweet little subtle bit of character growth over yeah. the rest of the
0: book. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the, the characters are definitely the thing I like the most about this. The characters that we see enough of uh, are complicated and interesting and believable. Like, I really like the, the librarian. Mm-hmm. She's sort of like the, the flag bearer for freedom of speech in this town and doesn't have a lot of allies and uh, she's the she's at the pivotal spot, though, because my mom was a librarian before she retired and that's something that they are trained to it's a role that they're trained to fulfill is the champions of freedom of speech at least as as far as public libraries go that they are supposed to be open to everybody, open to all books Uh, they're not supposed to censor things, obviously they're subject to politics, there's a a library board that gets the final say but they they have a role to fulfill in society and this librarian in this story definitely fills that role
2: Yeah, cool. All right, I did not know your mom was a librarian. Also, Mm -hmm. I
0: was a library page. You would have
2: been. Of course, did your mom anoint you with a ruler on both (laughs) shoulders? It's not (laughs) cool if your mom does it. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: No, I w- it's it's a pretty good job. It's minimum wage, as described in the story, <laughs> uh, and you don't have a lot of responsibility or anything. You just put books up back on the shelf, but it's a union job, mm-hmm. so you get like union benefits for this to, to make up for your small pay. Early, early
2: days of playing with unions, Jonathan. There you go. Yeah, okay. they got me for life. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. I
1: always wanted to do that, and just like never wound up doing it. it was like Yeah, I really wanted to do that.
0: Don't do it for your whole life, and you're not going to pay your rent that way. But
2: yeah, I mean, like I would say that uh, definitely in a lot of my notes, it's character moments and just noting characters that I like. I mean, I thought Amber and Stacy, the sort of teenage girls uh, that are like a year ahead or a couple of years ahead of Neil in the in the shop class, oh, yeah. were really great. Yeah.
0: I like that um. all his friends in high school are girls.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I, I also really enjoyed just the way he um, goes to his barbecue and, like, I think it's his cousin's boyfriend. Yeah, the cousin's
1: boyfriend. That, like, scene together where they're kind of the cousin's boyfriend is like, well, you don't know about music. Let me show you music. Yeah,
2: I'm giving you so <laughs> many mixtapes. Or, no, no, he's burning CDs, which is, like, this dates the book so much, <laughs> but he's, like, burning music onto CDs so he can take it and listen to it on his Discman. <laughs> you can still do that. Yes, fair <laughs> you <enough>. can. Yeah. <laughs> Teenagers don't have resources; they they have to get use what they can get. But uh, here, Jess, uh, I, I I noted from some of your notes that maybe you had some criticisms.
3: No, don't read my notes. <laughs> That's the one thing. <laughs> um, I think I'm. I kind of just want to ask questions more. Almost. Yeah. Like, okay. I, I want to make my analysis clear through the questions that I ask okay. if that makes sense sure um, to be quite like charitable to the, the book mm-hmm. so yeah I, I think I'm just going to sit back and, and ask some questions I mean one of the ones I had when Jonathan was talking you said that the characters were complex and I'm wondering what you meant by that morally complex like there are characters that have some good and some evil or that are uh, morally grey like what kind of complexity are you talking mm. about
0: No, that's a good question. I hadn't thought of that. Um, No, you're right that they do tend to be... Like, we're supposed to figure out pretty early on whether they're on our side or the other side. So, like, that part maybe isn't very complex. Uh, I just found them interesting. They seem like real people. They have complicated problems. Like, Neil is uh, kind of a jerk. I mean, he's at the age to be, (laughs) but... Like he reminds me of uh, people that I knew in school when I was that age uh, and yeah, no, that that seemed like he's not, he's not a cipher for the reader, he's a character who you can be, sort of be distant from because he's doing things that are like hmm, that's not cool Where are you? what's wrong with you, come on, get it together
2: yeah, I mean um, I think that uh, I, I would say, like, I wouldn't call the characters complex but I feel like they all have they have elements that you feel real, I think, is the big thing for me. It's like, sort of, Neil's overworked uh, single mother feels like a real person that I could just, I could see, I could believe, like, in a person like that. She just seems like an experience that a lot of people live, and, like, that he has this, like, distant father with this... Like they kind of just vaguely talk about like his father being off somewhere with like a stepwife, and he just basically sends checks and isn't like involved in Neil's life. Like that, again, it rings true. It just feels like a very real lived experience. Um, and so I think I would just say a lot of the characters have these little elements that just make them feel very authentic. Yeah. I don't know if I'd say c- complex, but like I think authentic is maybe the word I would use.
3: But would you say that the characters that are clearly on the, the wrong side, and I'm using quotation marks mm. here, are granted that humanity and mm. that complexity?
2: Interesting.
0: Not nearly as much. Yeah. That's definitely true. Especially the teachers. Right. The teachers are terrible. These people should not be teachers.
2: <laughs> 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 I, think, I think that was almost done intentionally to like play <laughs> up this idea of like the bedraggled, overworked teacher. I, uh, they, I had, they did have a few... I thought they got a cross-section of... They had, like, enthusiastic teachers, and then also teachers that were like, I'm going to be uh, over here, don't kill yourselves. Yeah, but like, the en- enthusiastic
0: <laughs> teachers are not enthusiastic about good things. Hmm. I don't know. like a thi- Part of the problem is that I'm a teacher, and I have trouble reading stories hmm. that have... like That put teachers as sort of the villains. Right. Uh, because... I'm too invested in that role and, like, what is right and wrong in, within that role. Right. That when I see a character who's, like, just doing the wrong thing all the way through, I, like, just can't put a wall up. I can't deal with that. Fair enough. But, yeah, no, I don't like these teachers.
2: Fair enough. <laughs> um, I mean, I would say that um, I think that, that you did hit on, like, a good uh, point, Jess, though, which is that um, I think that when you look at uh, your main entry point for the opposing side to Apathia is Danny's mom. And, like, Danny's mom is basically constantly just saying the most horrible things. And, you know, she hits her son. Her husband, like, drinks uh, and, like, doesn't seem to even want to be, like, in the house with her. And, yeah, she's definitely painted as just a really horrible caricature. Which I guess, like, I would say, especially, again, because I recommended this in the context of kind of our current state of affairs, I would definitely acknowledge is sort of not helpful in that it's just sort of further kind of pushing that divide of like us versus them that like people that don't agree with, if, if you're not in favor of freedom of speech, clearly you're like a religious bigot is essentially kind of the message that maybe you could glean from this uh, if you if, if were like being critical of like what they're saying. I think that that's, I could see that.
0: Hmm.
1: We haven't talked about the art at all yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: Yeah, and actually, I did make some notes at the beginning about that. But maybe do you want to lead us off?
1: Oh, um, I enjoyed the art. I quite like uh, his style of inking. And I enjoyed that there was some, like, humor in the art, like, there's one page where um, Neil's looking through a dumpster and there's, like, a skull and I like, uh, there's it's right near the beginning, I think it's, I want to say page 22 we gotta I gotta mean. find that. Oh, yeah, yeah it's page 22 <laughs> Yeah, there's, like, a skull in the dumpster, there's a paper marked F plus for John Hale Oh, yeah, you're right. And, like, right. there's just, like a sense of humor and play in the art <laughs> or, like, I quite enjoy and that when Neil is hanging out with the um, Cousin's boyfriend, like he's wearing this specific shirt that is like black with flames on it. And later on, Neil has this sort of like fantasy of like cool him, and he's wearing that shirt. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like these nice, nice moments.
2: Yeah, i I really like the way that Jonathan Hill draws. i I just thought it was a really nice, expressive art style. Like the facial expressions were nice. The characters' uh, shapes were really nice. I actually noted he was doing the same thing that Allison uh, Bechtel does, which is the lines coming in from the tops of the panels to make them feel a little more full. Uh, where is that? Uh, oh
1: yeah, um, like you can see here. on Oh that, 9. Yeah, 9. yeah yeah 4. yeah
2: okay yeah. I yeah. often do something like that
0: with color. Yeah. yeah that's, um,
1: that's a good trick.
0: I, I like the uh, like his clear line style. The because the the main plot is all this like there's no gray. There is very little cross-hatching, if any. Hmm. Uh, and there's still a lot, an awful lot of depth.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's
0: not an easy thing to do. And, well, and he, he accomplishes that pretty well.
2: And, and I would say that I enjoyed the fact that when they go into the book... There's um, shades of grey. They do the shades of grey, and they kind of change the art style a little bit. Um, so whenever you enter the book of Apath- Apathia, it's got grey tones, and it's drawn. it feels like it's drawn a little more in a heroic fantasy style but it still fits with you know, it, it doesn't feel jarring mm-hmm. uh, which I mean, I think if they had if they had another artist doing those scenes, it would be too much so I think Jonathan Hill did a good job of making a sort of an idealized fantasy interpretation of his art style for the Apathia scenes, and I do really enjoy that they switch up the, the color palette and they go from hatching to grey tones, uh, I thought that was a nice, nice contrast so yeah Yay, Jonathan Hill! Good job. <laughs> you yeah. draw comic good. I think <laughs> it's, it looks like it's hand lettered to me.
1: Uh.
2: I'm yeah. I, this is definitely hand lettered. Which yeah. I always I always enjoy hand lettering. In fact, I think he, he hand lettered the newspaper. Yeah. I was gonna say he hand lettered yeah. this newspaper. <laughs> Props for that. Yeah, no, I think I think his art uh, suited this script really well, and I think that um, yeah, I I really enjoy how he draws. It's it feels again kind of in line with maybe how I approach my stuff or what I would like to get out of my own comic stuff, so maybe that's also why I like it, because it just sort of has that nice bridge between being super simple, stylized, and still got a little bit of realism. And I also like how he communicates the music. So when he first listens to the music with Devon, they have just like a sort of a sound explosion that has like a rock band playing inside of it. Mm. Like, I just think... Because I'm currently, for for reasons, thinking about how to do comic stories related to music and how to express that. I just thought this was a fun way of expressing like music of just a big explosion with a band playing in the explosion. Nice visual thing for our podcast listeners here. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely say that there were a few moments with... Um, and I forget Danny's mom's name... Uh, But there was like a moment in the story where after she sort of had this big blow up with Danny she looks at like an old photo of um, her after she's given birth to one of her children and I guess it's Danny in the foreground and it's like kind of a photo of happier times and I did sort of appreciate that in in sort of the aftermath of this argument you find uh, her kind of looking regretfully at that photo and maybe, I don't know, I, I felt like that was like a, a, that was one of the few human moments that they gave her where you do get a sense that she has a little bit of remorse and that she really wishes she could have a better relationship with her son, but she doesn't know how to express that. Um, yeah, there's a few moments like that, but I don't know that they
0: are enough
2: to oh, No, no, and I'm not, yeah. like I,
0: I don't think anyone who reads this book is going to relate to her as a character.
2: Right. I mean, I I think that, um, yeah, I think it definitely, I think it's definitely valid to say that this book is, uh, got a very polarized outlook. Something else that I had made note of is, like, I think on Danny's first day at school, like, one of the bullies, uh, almost, like, forces his head into, like, a buzzsaw. Yeah, that was messed up. Which I was like, okay, (laughs) I know there's bullies in school, and I think it's good to address that there's bullies in school, but... I've never had anyone, like, attempt to murder me on the first day of school. That seemed a bit, like, heavy-handed.
0: I'm going to blame the teachers for that, (laughs) these (laughs) terrible teachers. Uh, And maybe a little bit Neil as well, because he should really tell one of these terrible teachers, surely they're not so terrible that they won't come up with some consequences for one of their students nearly being murdered.
2: Well, you know i <laughs> I know if one of my students murdered someone, I would be unprepared. I don't have like a plan for <laughs> students murdering students.
1: Someone did get stabbed at my school.
2: whoa, no, what
1: Wait, did you guys not hear about that? This no. is like maybe last year, so I was no longer going there, so I was fine. But yeah, a fight broke out in the lecture, and someone got stabbed.
2: Oh, whoa. Yeah, in the face. Ew. Oh, I heard. Didn't they get stabbed in the face with a pencil? No, I think it that was... was at,
0: you're thinking of the... the oh, that was at a convention.
2: Yeah. Oh, comic nerds, never mind. San Diego. <laughs> don't Death, go to San Diego. No. Oh. Anyways, okay. <coughs> um.
3: <laughs> someone <laughs> got attempted murder <laughs> at school. Uh. Um,
0: so, uh, Jess, did you have any other questions
3: no I mean I did want to say I think the art is really great and I think it's totally in service of the story and I like some of the techniques that uh, the artist used I can't remember his name, Jonathan Hill. Hill Yeah. some of those techniques were good with the music scene, mixing that up, having a full page um, devoted to that, mm-hmm. it really broke the, uh, the panel's layout so it was kind of like wow, this big shot that you get to experience with the character so I think the art's really good yeah and hand
2: littering is always so
0: nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to mention the. Uh, I'm going to see if I can beat Jeff to this one. <laughs> there, there is a Jack Chick tract in this comic. Uh, ah. On page 170. We yeah, had the Devil's girlfriend. Or so for like uh, for Jack Chick fans out there, <coughs> shout out to to the work of um, a none too savory
2: cartoonist. Yes, one of the many people that left us this year. <laughs> But yes, no, I caught that. I, I really appreciated that. And I love that it was called The Devil's Girlfriend. And it's just got like this, like, sort of witch, like, with the devil, like, and his arm around her. Like, it, it just felt, yeah. Like, I, I like that uh, chick tracks are so formulaic that you just need to show the title in black on the left hand side. Uh, with a hyperbolic title, and you have that rectangular format, and you're just like, oh, chick tracked, yeah. Like, I, I, I've I, seen one of those. This,
0: this may well be a real chick track I'm not sure.
2: Um, You know, I'm just gonna agree with you. Uh, <laughs> probably is. Or something similar. If not exactly that, there's probably something along the same lines. Yeah, I... Uh, I yeah, that was a nice touch. I enjoyed that. I think that uh, I... <laughs> I actually felt like the Apathia story was kind of garbage. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> felt a lot like reading Harry Potter. Uh, like, <laughs> oh, 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 I'm gonna start by now Oh, she. Oh, boy. Oh, oh, um,
1: <laughs> I don't even know. There's a lot to unpack in what you just <laughs> said. <Yeah>.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm currently reading all the Harry Potter's, and I'm still invested in it. I'm still going through, but I have, I have notes.
1: I want to hear them, but, like, <laughs> maybe tomorrow night. Sure. Um, yeah, I feel like the uh, Apathia storyline, you know, wasn't particularly engaging, but I feel like it just served as sort of a metaphor analogy for certain right. conflicts that were going on in the main story. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it, you know, served the structure of the story.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's I would say, like, in maybe because I think uh, since since we started this process of like choosing this book and reading it and and then losing our booking and then having to book it again I've definitely been doing a lot of thinking about um the right and the left and I definitely think that um in terms of like especially like that question about like is this going to change anyone's mind I would definitely say that this isn't going to really change anyone's mind this is definitely as Johnson said kind of like uh, fuel for the fire of someone who maybe already feels like they're being censored or like that they're in an oppressive uh, environment. Uh, that they, but but I mean I think it's definitely worth noting that it, this probably does sort of doesn't bridge that gap. It definitely sort of paints um, a really stark black and white portrait with us and them and not having a lot of uh, compromise in between. Uh, and Does that
3: dogma get us anywhere? Like right. where has it gotten us?
2: Right. I think. Right. And I think that's a really good question to ask. And that's something that I'm glad you asked that because I don't think that's something I really thought about initially when I started reading it, but I think that it's definitely valid to say that this is basically doing something that I've been I've been saying this a lot with a lot of different media, which is it's it's preaching to the choir. It's like if you're on board with this message already, then you're just gonna read this and be like, oh man censorship sucks, uh, religious people are dumb, uh, but if you're already someone who's religious, you're just kind of like, oh, well, apparently I'm the devil, so I'm not going to read this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think there, there is value in telling people, especially, let's say, middle school kids, that you're not alone, there's other people who uh, are going to be on your side, you just need to go out and find them, but... Yeah, there's a lot of other valuable things that could be done as well. I'm not sure I feel confident being able to say which is the more important thing to be doing.
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean I I think maybe like if, I mean whatever, it's written, if if we could give notes to <laughs> MK Reed, maybe it would just be like maybe try to find some common ground or humanize the other side a little bit.
0: Well, more depending on what the other side is. If they're right. literal Nazis, then no.
2: Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, no, but I think... But No, I, 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 this,
0: is, this is pre-Nazi.
2: I think that, like... I mean, for example, like, even though I don't agree with Danny's mom, I think that Danny's mom wants the best for her children. And she clearly doesn't know how to express that to or them what effectively, is best for and her she children. doesn't maybe understand what is best. But, like, it is coming from a place of love and maybe it would be good to like accentuate that a little more in the, in the narrative and just like at least make sure that you understand that this is like a misguided attempt at uh, trying to do something good in her son's life that she's not just an, a completely evil person with no positive traits that she just is misguided and maybe to like express that that, that she is misguided Uh, Versus being like a terrible person. Uh, Maybe we could cut down on some of the. There's definitely like later points where she's just making snide remarks for the sake of making snide remarks. Um, Like maybe pulling back on that a little bit and having a few more private moments where you're really seeing like the stress and strain on her with her family kind of breaking apart uh, might be worthwhile. Or uh, another
0: tack you could take is to have. Because uh, on. The sort of the right wing side within this story, there are no other characters that we find out very much about. Right. So if uh, Danny's mom is this horrible person who is sort of the reason that the story exists because she's the one behind all the terrible things that happen, um, then maybe it would be useful to have some other characters who are on her side but not horrible people. Right. And we don't really have that in this book. Right absolutely
3: and like where i'm coming from is as somebody who supports freedom of expression i want the left to be strong i want their arguments to be strong and if this book is a kind of argument um i think it really falls short although it did have i think very like noble goals what it's trying to say is um something like things that i believe in i just don't know if this is the way like it's, it almost like falls prey to the things that it criticizes, this polemic thinking mm. of um, all good, all evil. Mm. And it's sort of a flat and like simplistic depiction of humanity. Um, and it's something to like, kind of offer a different way of doing things that Miyazaki does well, is that it, he's able to portray the complexities mm. of, of politics. Right, And I just think this falls so short. Um,
2: right, and ends up becoming mm-hmm. just like a little bit too blunt, so to speak. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sorry to be the voice of no, 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 no. Someone has to be. These this are this. all like, very interesting points is, to bring up. This is
2: why we do a book club, so we can <laughs> have <laughs> these kinds of discussions. Final thoughts? Well, uh, yeah, okay. So I guess would we recommend it? So you know what? I I actually think that it is a. Th- I think s- I, I'm I'm a little hesitant now to recommend it actually because <laughs> I do uh, I do have to agree with Jess that I do feel like. Maybe right now this is falling into that that idea of of being a bit divisive. I think that it is like I think a fairly I mean it's a beautifully drawn story. Um, So I think all our podcast listeners uh, should look at the art samples we're going to post on our Tumblr uh, because I think the art is fantastic, and I hope to see more comics drawn by Jonathan Hill. And I think that um, like America's is an interesting read. I would be curious to see what more comes from mk reed i get the impression that a lot of her work deals with uh subject matter like this and i'm not sure where this falls in the timeline but i mean i think maybe uh i would just say if you're interested in maybe being part of this discussion that we had i would say read it so that you can maybe build your own opinion but uh Maybe I, I would say not for not necessarily for as young a reader as this might be aimed at because mm-hmm. I feel like this might actually uh, further entrench people in in some divisiveness if you if you're reading this at too young an age. I think it does foster sort of that us versus them mentality.
0: Um, I think I would recommend this book still. I think uh, it's always valuable to get other people's points of view, and I think that's one of the things that fiction can do better than just about anything else is you're, it's like you're in somebody else's head looking through their eyes at the world and maybe you're not going to end up learning anything from that maybe you're not going to agree with them but I think it's a worthwhile trip hmm. like nine times out of ten Right. and the, the book is well written, it's well drawn it's like well put together whether or not the fundamental underpinnings of the story are uh, something you can get anything out of I think you have to read it for yourself and decide.
2: There we go.
1: Yeah, I think some excellent points were raised here today, but I would absolutely recommend this book. Um, like Jonathan said, I think it's an enjoyable read. Uh, I think it's you know definitely suitable for the age range that it's targeted at, because it's like, it's this isn't the only book that anyone's ever gonna read. Right. You know, it doesn't exist (laughs) in a vacuum. What? Um, So we can look at it and say you know, maybe it doesn't hold up in these ways but like, I can guarantee you this is not the only book a kid is gonna read, and they will, you know it's just another point of view among a sea of point of views so yeah, you know, I'd I'd recommend it I think it was a fun read Um, Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, one thing I, that I liked about the book is that um, it points out that it's not really fair to criticize something you haven't read. So I think I would have to recommend this book. I'd say, like, <laughs> read, read this book um, <laughs> and please, like, disagree with me or agree with me or, like, create, have your own opinion of it. Like, definitely read this book. But I, th- I think the only thing I would say is read it critically. Watch how... Watch who the narrative proposes is on the wrong side watch who's on the right side watch how characters are portrayed even in the way they're drawn and watch out for the the straw man which is um when somebody kind of creates this like indefensible character or argument or like a caricature of an argument that you you have to agree with so yeah i would i would recommend it especially because it sort of sparked this interesting Mm. debate between us and it's very thought-provoking so yeah
2: Excellent. Yeah, right. I on. feel
3: like it would be a good book for like,
1: like middle school like reading discussions. Like mm-hmm. reading this book, and then you know, well, we would probably well, have to do this. Where it was like at the end of each chapter, you'd have to like write ask questions <laughs> and write. So like, I feel like it's definitely mm-hmm. like just was saying like, you know, can start discussions yeah. and, yeah. Um, you know,
2: a good okay. book for a book club for example? Uh, <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> if you're a book right. club, don't read this book. No. All right. No uh, book club should
2: ever read books. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So I am Jeff Ellis, and you can find my work at jeff-ellis.ca. And my uh, shout-out is actually going to be to Dykes to Watch Out For, which came out of retirement to put out one strip uh, in response to the current uh, election results, which I find interesting that dikes to watch out for, covered from Bush senior. till just before Obama became president, disappeared, and now that a Republican's back in office, it has reemerged. Mm-hmm. Uh, so apparently they can only exist in tumultuous political times. So uh, there 's only one strip, but uh, maybe there'll be more, um, <laughs> but i 'm just going to say that 's exciting.
1: And are, uh, oh. Who are you and um, where can we find your work? No, I already said you that. Oh, did you say that? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay.
2: Awesome. So, who are you and where can we find your work?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that out, John. <laughs> Maybe. Hit it out, Maybe. <laughs> Um Clearly, I listen to what Jeffrey has to say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I'm keeping it. <laughs> 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 All right,
1: um, I'm Kay Gross, and I actually just uh, put together a new little portfolio site with... Um, some short comics that have all appeared on on my tumblr but a a better way to read them and um, some excerpts from some of my longer comics which is you can find oh and some of my embroideries on there too which is sort of my side practice in art and that's at tagcomics.com so k-a-g-c-o-m-i-x and my shout out this time around is I don't think I shouted it out last time No Exit by Annie Mock Uh, it's a collection of these diary comics and and non-diary comics um, spanning uh, a couple of years of her life. Um, So it's got some autobio stuff and then also some comics where she's doing sort of a bit of biography um, she has some stuff on Jim Henson in there and Egon It's Sort of an interesting mishmash of comics. I'm always interested to see what she's up to so I was excited that she put out a little book.
2: Okay, right on. Uh,
0: I'm Jonathan Dalton. Uh, You can find my work at phobos-comic.com Uh, And my shout-out is going to be Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire by J.K. Rowling. (laughs) Because um, I will say that, for me at least, Harry Potter is a problematic fave. But I'm enjoying this book. This is the book that I enjoy of this series so far. And I am not sure that they will all be as good as this one, but I'm enjoying this one at least.
2: You are reading the best
0: book. Okay.
2: It's all downhill from here.
1: Uh, okay. Um, I really like book five. Not everyone will agree with me, but I really like book five. Okay. five.
2: Five is good, too. But, I mean, four is just four special. I like everyone who's not Harry Potter. <laughs> there are more people that are not Harry Potter in book five. Oh, there you book? go. The
1: number of people who are not Harry Potter <laughs> increases. <laughs> I'm on board, then.
0: <laughs>
3: all right. Um, I'm Jess Pollard. You can find my uh, web comic liquidshell at liquidshell.tumblr.com And can I recommend any book?
0: Yeah. Yeah,
3: oh, absolutely. Man. I feel like I talked about Ursula K. Le Guin last time.
0: It wasn't your shout-out, though, so please. It wasn't my shout-out, out. okay.
3: Man, I think pretty much anything she's done is really great, but I'm just finishing up the last book of uh, the Earthsea series, and they're all fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Definitely recommend.
0: Awesome, amazing books.
3: Yay.
0: Have mm-hmm. you read her series... Uh, the Annals of the Western Shore No Oh they're even better Oh my they're gosh They're new
3: They're great Oh I'm so excited <laughs> Please read them. them Good thing we're in a library <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: man Okay <laughs> Alright Our next book will be Aya by
1: Marguerite Abouet And Clement Oubrary
0: Okay And a couple notes on this Because there's two different editions And um, I'm not sure which one You're going to be able to get The original printing is just called Aya, and that's basically what we're going to read. If you can't find that one, though, there is a collected volume called Aya, Life in Yop City, which uh, also contains the comic that we're going to read for next time. Uh, So you can get that if you can't get the other one.
2: The Trade Waiters is presented by Cloudscape Comics. We'd like to thank the Vancouver Public Library for letting us record in their Inspiration Lab and Sleuth for the music. You can find us at www.cloudscapecomics.com or tradewaiters.tumblr.com. Thanks for listening!